Welcome to the Citizen-Centric Podcast, transforming our cities with technology and sharing. Yeah, welcome indeed to the Citizen-Centric Podcast. I'm Ken Dooley and today I'm joined by Michael Gearin, who's the project manager of Smart Docklands in Dublin. The Smart Docklands district is about three kilometres squared and produces 9% of Ireland's GDP, has over 44,000 employees and houses about 26,000 residents. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Would you like to tell me shortly about yourself and your career so far? Hi, Ken. Thanks very much for having me. Um, so, yes, so my name is Michael Gearin. I'm the, as Ken mentioned, the program manager for Smart Docklands, um, which is our smart city test bed here in Dublin City in Ireland. Um, my background and how I get into this, uh, I, I studied uh commerce in University College Dublin um, with the view to becoming an accountant. Worked with Ernest Young for a while and decided that wasn't for me. Um, and at that point left to join a, a, an initiative starting at that time called Startup Ireland. Um, so acted as the digital manager for Startup Ireland as it launched and grew. Um, we hosted a number of um, events mainly, um, uh, I think called the Startup Gathering in 2015, um, which was 412 startup events across uh, across Ireland in five days, um, with the goal of trying to create an enhanced startup ecosystem, so filling in all types of government and funding, um, research, academia, um, all the necessary components for a startup ecosystem. Um, so that was our kind of our, our, our main or our first event. We then attracted the Startup Nation Summit to Europe for the first time, which we held in Cork. Um, and I hosted an event called uh, Startup Island, um, which was a two-day startup boot camp on an island called Spike Island, which is um, essentially Ireland's Alcatraz. Um, so it was a two-day boot camp. Um, Sounds like fun. And yeah, it was. Yeah, um, it, it was. It was very good fun. We had some um, top. Uh, Top mentors and investors taking a kind of design thinking approach to the to the classes, um, and there was a little bit of a physical element to it as well um, the, with the marines. So that was that was good fun. Um, but that that's kind of what I um, what I started off in, um, and from then um, helped to grow a company called Upstarter, a tech recruitment event in Dublin. Um, and I've worked in the startup community and, and, and startup ecosystem since then. Um, and about two years ago, I joined the uh, Smart City team in Dublin uh, City Council um, with the goal of, uh, it was the first project between Dublin City Council and Connect, which is a Science Foundation Ireland funded research centre. So there are several of them around the country. Connect is one of the largest ones. It's funded for about 60 odd million. Um, and uh, over five years, I believe, and the, the goal of Connect is to uh, research the future of networks and connectivity. Um, okay. So Connect uh, had a joint partnership with Dublin City Council. My, my role was initially to, to look at uh, LoRa and IoT-based sensors and to, to grow a, a, a smart city community in the Docklands area of Dublin. Um, and from that, uh, Smart Docklands uh, has grown. A smaller thing initially. Um, and where it came from, there was a, a couple of pieces, I suppose. Uh, Smart Docklands was partially funded through a, an urbact program called Smart Impact. With, so it's, it's, uh, a, it's European Union funding, is it? It is a European Union funding, yes, yeah. um, through urbact So there's 10 cities in that. Um, and we also submitted a lighthouse um, 
proposal, which was not successful, but um, was a great catalyst to kick things off in Dublin. So we got a lot of groups together to get that proposal together. One of them was a Docklands IoT group. So um, for those of you who don't know the Docklands area of Dublin, it's fast becoming the central business district. Um, it's home to a number of large businesses. Um, so Google employ about 8,000 people here. Facebook employ about 4,000. Accenture have their most connected building, the dock. Um, Airbnb have their EMEA hub here. Um, Huawei are here. So there's a lot of there's a lot of interest in this area alone. Um, so the Docklands IoT group was to get senior representatives from each of those companies and other companies who aren't necessarily based in the Docklands, like Intel and IBM, and get them all into one room and see how they could start to work with the city um, to try and solve city challenges and see and also try and attract some of their programs that they have with cities around the world, but Dublin wouldn't necessarily have been had considered. Um, so we set up that network um, and we also had the Urbact program running in tandem and some research with Maynooth University and all of those three things um, uh, were kind of brought together under the banner of, of Smart Docklands um, and in February of 2018 of last year we launched Smart Docklands um, which is to be our smart city test bed here in Dublin. <clears throat> so this is the area that we trial and test new technology before it's rolled out to the rest of the city. Um, so okay. uh, there's, there's a good mix of roadways and good mix of waterways. Um, there's, a, there's, as you mentioned, there are 44,000 people employed, 26,000 residents. So it's a good mix of residential and commercial and that type of thing. So it was a good area for, for a smart city test bit. Yeah, and it sounds like a bit of a kind of perfect storm with all the kind of European headquarters of the tech companies there. Um, the Accenture case is really funny. I give a lot of smart building kind of keynotes. And at one of the events I was in, someone from Accenture was presenting the dock in Dublin, the kind of Europe's smartest building or whatever they were calling it. And as kind of old fashioned engineering company, we were kind of saying, what the hell are Accenture doing designing smart buildings? Kind of how dare they get back in your box? Um, yeah. What was the driver for that? Why did Accenture choose Dublin or the dock as this super kind of smart building? So I, I think um, why Dublin was chosen in the Accenture group is because so many of the tech hubs or so many of the tech companies have their hubs here. Okay. Um, and that is and that has kind of encouraged um, other maybe more traditional, less tech focused companies like Accenture to create tech hubs here. So. For another example is that Deloitte have their uh, blockchain hub based in Dublin, so all of their blockchain work comes through here. So they, they because Dublin is you know becoming this tech hub and all the big companies are here, I think that's kind of the first reason they they decided to do it. Um, they then chose the building, the dock, which is um, just on Hanover Quay here in Dublin Docklands, and uh, some of the things they, they've installed sensors in each of the each of the roof tiles um so you can you can do occupancy in the room you can pre-book meeting rooms um so that it, you're the only person if you booked it you're the only person that can get into the room so that other people don't use your meeting rooms you can set the temperature and the light before you get into the room um and they're starting to do some all kinds of things around sensors and bins so that so the waste team can know when the bins are full and they need to be collected um and some stuff around 5g and, and all types of things so i think what they you know the reason accenture as far as i'm aware um got got involved in this they, they are advising large customers all over the world on um you know products and solutions like this yeah. um so they wanted to be to play a part of it themselves they wanted to have the expertise in-house 
the design thinking expertise and IoT and technology expertise. So they have them all in the dock and they drive most of those types of projects then through the Dublin Docklands office. Okay, and it it's kind of sounds like a brand thing as well. You know, if you if you want to be selling services to these tech companies, then you have to have, you know, that persona or that brand as well. You can't be seen as a dinosaur, and I suppose, you know, a flashy bling office kind of helps helps with that brand. Um, it does, yeah. And then I was given a tip uh, from Franz Anton, actually, in the last episode, that that if I wanted to talk about kind of citizen-centric or kind of user-centric approach, that, that there was some really cool things happening in the Docklands. Where do you, so sometimes we're kind of making this transition towards kind of user-centric cities. Um, it used to be all about kind of operational efficiency and about kind of using technology to make, thing, make things efficient. These days, the direction seems to be really with regards to, you know, save me time, give me more choice, make my life easier. Um, if you build some kind of solution, even just booking or releasing a city bike, it needs to be super easy to use. You can't kind of press 100 buttons. Yep. What's your definition or what's your kind of go-to plans for, you know, making the solutions you guys are involved in, not just for the tech people, but for the kind of mass audience, to having a kind of user-centric approach to the things you're doing? What, what, Where do you guys start with that? Yeah, so I suppose we, um, we at the start of the Smart Docklands project, we kind of took the acknowledgement that we, we wanted to be kind of the smart cities 3.0. So 3.0 being the user centric and citizen centric piece. So smart cities 1.0 was very vendor driven. I think 2.0 was very city driven and, and just trying to efficiencies in the cities. And then I think 3.0 is taking a slightly more holistic approach. So there's certainly the efficiencies for the cities and the municipalities. But then there's also all the um, the user-centric design and citizen-centric design um, elements to it as well. So we, what we wanted to ensure in the Docklands was that we didn't just deploy technology for the sake of it. And we wanted to ensure that anything we deployed and tested here, there was actually a requirement for it. Um, so it was very, very important to me when we kicked it off that we engage with a large number of stakeholders um, from all kinds of backgrounds. So you know, we sometimes in, in the office get caught up and we, we know all about smart cities and mobility and IoT and 5G and all these, these words that don't mean a lot to, to the layman on the street. Yeah. So I wanted, to, I wanted to run workshops for two purposes. Um, the first purpose was kind of a, an informative piece and, and educating people on what we're doing and, and why, it, why it's kind of relevant to them. And the other half of it then to try and get an understanding of what the problems and challenges are in Dublin and in the Docklands. Um, so to date, we've run about 10 workshops with just over 200 attendees. Um, we, we have broken the workshops down into four main stakeholder groups, um, the main stakeholder groups that we see in the Docklands. So the first one being the city council itself and everybody that's involved in physical um, infrastructure and roadways, waterways, traffic lights, uh, city assets, that type of thing. So all of the right people were in the room for that. Um, the next group that we worked with was tourism and hospitality. So in the Docklands, we have um, Ireland's largest convention centre. We have Ireland's largest indoor concert arena. Um, we have the CHQ building. Um, we have a lot of... Um, a lot of tourism and heritage. We have Ireland's Digital Museum here, uh, and then we also have a significant number of hotels. So it plays quite a big role in tourism and hospitality. And um, the third group that we work with um, is residents. Um, 
So we work, we actually work with six different residence groups in the Docklands. And the reason being, there's there, there's a few different sides to it. There, there's the North and South Docks, and there's different challenges in, in each of them. And we also have two very different communities here. So in some parts of the Docklands, we have the communities that um you know that have been around that their parents, grandparents, and great grandparents worked in the docks and yeah. traditionally were in the the low skilled labour uh, jobs. And then we have the we have the new shiny apartment blocks with the guys working in Google and Accenture and that type of thing. And they are two different communities in the Docklands and yeah. they each have their own challenges and their own needs. So we work with some community groups from both sides. Um, and then the last group then after residents is uh, property developers and property owners. So the Docklands area, and one of the main reasons we have chosen it is going through a, a significant redevelopment at the minute. Um, it's a strategic development zone for Dublin City Council, um, and in that there, there's a huge amount of investment. So one of I think one of the stats you mentioned was three billion private investment from now until 2025. So that, that that's the that's the value being put on the amount of private investment in terms of new buildings. So I mean okay. recently we've seen HubSpot moving in, Autodesk, uh, Salesforce, um, all types of all types of companies, um, and kind of. With that acknowledgement and all these new buildings are going up, we saw that as a good opportunity for us to, from a, a smart and IoT perspective, what that building might look like and, and what the connectivity might look like and the mobility options in the car park and that type of thing. Okay, actually, and it's really funny that you mentioned kind of tourism because I hadn't considered that when I was kind of preparing for today. And there is kind of issues with housing in Dublin and especially with Brexit and maybe some companies moving from the UK to Dublin it's not it's not going to get any better is there any interesting kind of concepts around working and housing that are kind of popping up so the way I say that is in in Finland we have a hotel company called Base and they are thinking about selling the hotel room as a kind of 12 hour a kind of office room that can be switched into a 12 hour hotel room in the evening you can book it for the 24 hour period or you can book it for either or do you think or are you seeing any kind of innovative um, solutions to housing plus working that are being created by the kind of the, the, the demand for space in the city um, there are a couple. Um, we've seen things like node living uh, coming to Dublin, which is um, kind of like a shared space living where people will live and they'll have their own private bedroom. Um, and then they have a shared kind of living and kitchen kitchen area um, yeah. and better use of space, I suppose, in the city centre. It's more manageable for young professionals, especially people that maybe aren't necessarily from Dublin or Ireland and want to meet more people. Yeah. So we've seen things like that coming in. Um, I mean, there's there's other things that are starting to happen more out of necessity than anything. We've heard of more people, you know, buying barges and boats and living on boats and that type of thing. And you know, we've seen that happening in in London and and cities all around the world. And I think, you know, it, it, in Dublin, as you mentioned, there there certainly is a housing crisis. Um, but we, you know, I think there's a much more holistic approach required um, from the government to solve yeah. that. And I know they are they're working on that at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, but it's it's it definitely the the necessity will create a huge amount of innovation. So if anyone has Absolutely. any any clever concepts, be it co living or a balance of work or or you know maximizing the kind of use of the building over over the day, then the, the, then Dublin seems like a good place to be to be testing some of those concepts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And then from from the kind of, you know, we kind of often talk about the, the customer's journey or the kind of the work day uh, when we talk about kind of user-centric cities. Um, so previously when we were talking about kind of smart buildings or smart workplaces, we were really focused on, you know, the hours you were at work. These days, kind of workplace design really kind of supports you regardless of where you are, you're at home, you're in a library, or you're in a co-working space or you're in the office, um, or let's say enables me to have a, a nicer experience, meaning less stress or healthier or, you know, easier uh, in the morning or in the evening. Um, how has that been supported in Dublin? So, so some of the kind of things here are, you know, companies having, let's say, rideshare or companies having... Um, offering mobility packages to people so that they don't have to kind of be stuck in traffic all the time um, or or having you know deliveries from Zalando or Amazon or you know your groceries delivered to the office or or the kind of Uber Eats or Foodora and Volt which we have here kind of if your office building is in a neighborhood where there isn't really good restaurants nearby then 10 of you can club together and get any cuisine that's in the city delivered um, and these companies are supporting that because they really see it as this uh, an experience throughout the, the whole working day from when you wake up to when you kind of go to bed at night um, so yeah. so a, a lengthening of the time that they're trying to help you and a, a spreading of the area where they're trying to help you regardless of where you are what, what's happening yeah. in that space in Dublin and I, I guess the the Googles and these guys are famous for those kind of things what are you seeing they are they are, yeah. So, I mean, that that kind of mentality has been in some of the companies in Dublin for quite a while, especially the Googles and Facebooks of the world, um, that, you know, they provide breakfast, they provide lunch, dinner, and a gym and, and that type of thing. Um, but we, we're starting to see that now impact other businesses and other companies. Um, so yeah. we, we we work with um, two of the, the major landlords and property developers in the Docklands, um, Hibernia Rate and IPUT. Um, and one of the things we're working with them on at the minute, um, so that they're 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 do doing a large push towards cycling, um, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, cycling is growing massively in Dublin at the minute. It's a much faster way to travel around the city. There's more and more cycling infrastructure going in every day, um, and also with new buildings, there there isn't the there isn't the car parks below them that there wa that there was previously. So a much more efficient use of that space is for more people in the building to be cycling than to be driving cars. Um, so we've we started to see a push and support from them with some of the projects that we're running. So just last year, the year before last, we um, had a, a, a trial with a company called C-Sense, um, which is a smart bike light. So it's a light that attaches to the front and back of your bike. Um, it, it connects to your phone and through sensors and machine learning and AI in the in the light, it can determine uh, poor road surface quality, um, potholes, near misses, um, accidents, that type of thing. And then also through GPS can determine where you're cycling, your most cycled routes, that type of thing. So that on a, on, on a one, on an individual basis um, is, is useful potentially for a cyclist, but on a citywide basis is very interesting to, to start to see the most cycled routes. And, and if a lot of cyclists are taking a road that they maybe shouldn't be taking, could we put in a contraflow bike lane there and that type of thing? So we're, we, we did a, a trial for th uh, three months with five, so 1,500 cyclists applied to be part of it. Wow. We chose 500, 500 of the cyclists, and there's a huge amount of appetite. Um, so those cyclists then cycle for three months. We gathered that data, and we started to understand cycling in the city a lot more. 
Um, and on the back of that, there's been a lot of appetite for uh, companies and landlords, etc., in the Docklands to expand that project. So we will hopefully be in the next week or two announcing this project. Um, it's it's nearly there. Um, but the the idea being that we would, as the city, we would partner with Seasense uh, and also with landlords and also their tenant companies. Um, so hopefully the likes of HubSpot and Twitter, etc., that are tenants of these uh, l large landlords that they could offer the bike lights to their employees at a significantly reduced rate if they are willing to be part of a trial for 12 months that they give their cycling data back to the city and the company will then also get some kind of dashboard that they can see the, the most cycled routes in Dublin. They can start to see uh, the total distance cycled, the carbon emissions saved by the amount of people cycling in those buildings and they could start to look at, you know, some companies maybe are cycling more than other companies and could they encourage people in other companies to, to cycle a little bit more. So it's again, all of this comes back to kind of a, a, a data driven approach to cities. But we see it, um, you know, it's a very it's an interesting approach, I think, from a from a landlord's perspective to be getting involved in this type of thing from a building owner's perspective to start to offer, um, you know, very, very smart lights to employees and to, to, um, to employees of their tenants so that they can start to understand how much um, where people are cycling to where people are coming from um, and start to just get a bigger picture of where their tenants are beyond or where their employees are beyond the building um, yeah. and there's obviously and just you know to um, to add in there I suppose there there is a, a significant amount of data privacy work has been done G GDPR and radius is put around uh, people's homes in different areas so that the companies would never know that type of thing. It's just insight so they can see that there may be loads of people cycling from Smithfield and nobody cycling from the south side or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So okay. just to try and get a you know a bit of an understanding of their, their, their cyclists when they leave the building. Yeah, and that would make so in, in Helsinki that would make a huge amount of sense as well because maybe you could provide some shuttle buses for in in the deepest winter for the people who cycle yeah. uh, from different yeah. places. Okay, and and you know we've even seen kind of things like that as well. I'm actually a competitive road cyclist, so I'm I'm a big big fan of cycling. But we even see things like. Um, in April now here the kind of snow is just leaving and now is a good time of the year when people start cycling and companies yeah. even bringing a kind of bike mechanic in that if you bring your bikes in in the first weeks of April if you start cycling early um, someone will kind of tune up your bicycle in the in the kind of simplest way um, for free the company will you know will, will give you kind of some maintenance the basic maintenance that you need over winter for free if you start cycling at, at this time of year and, and, and that makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense and I guess a bit like I said about the smart building um, expand from place and time over the day there is a push to define kind of to have healthy workplaces and healthy workplaces then are, are really difficult because um, you can't do a lot let's say with natural light in existing buildings um, there's only so much you can talk about air quality and and it's it's quite a boring yeah. topic so the guys who've been talking about that the well standard in the US and, and some of these guys you know it becomes about green plants it becomes about food it becomes about activity but activity yeah. then is, is something really difficult to kind of change behavior on. So I suppose if you can really, really support cycling in any way possible, and if that then also helps you because you don't have um, 
good chiropractic spaces, then the, 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 that makes lots of sense. It, it, it helps you yeah. kind of create a, a healthy workforce, let's say. Okay, I'll try and find C-Sense and I'll, I'll, I'll tweet out the, the, a, a link after this. Okay, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else comes to mind on, on that kind of thing or or, um, or the kind of the, the, the benefits then you've mentioned, you know, the residents, the, the kind of companies, the, the, the tourism, the, the kind of, the, the, you know, the city governance. Yeah. What else is popping out there, or, or is there anything else? So, so, so some of the things, and just to give you maybe a little bit more context around the workshops themselves, so they were two hours long. The first 30 minutes was the, the information piece and letting people know what smart cities are and, you know, the fact that, that the bin outside the door just looks like a bin, but it's it's got a solar panel on it that compresses the rubbish and it reduces waste collections and that type of thing. So there was a lot of just informing people of the types of technology that already exists in Dublin. And um, that, you know, our bike sharing scheme here is the most successful bike sharing scheme in Europe, I believe, due to the number of times each bike is used per day. Okay, um, yes. And, you know, we have the leap card in Dublin, which people in Dublin take for granted. But the fact that you can use one contactless payment card and seven modes of transport is actually quite significant for a lot of cities. Um, so th th things like that we have here. So it was the first bit of the workshop was the information piece. The next bit was trying to determine what the challenges are and, and taking that approach that you mentioned, that it's not just the challenge that if you work here, don't just tell us about things that happen in the building. What happens on your way to the building in your when you're commuting here? What happens when you go for a pint at the weekend? You know, all, all, the, all of your experience at the Docklands. So we got some really good challenges back and um, we got over 300 challenges um, that we are working through and um, we could see clear themes emerging. Cycling was a large one and um, cycling safety and cycling infrastructure was a large piece of it, which is kind of where the C-Sense thing has has come out of. Um, the uh, Another another big piece was flooding um, because we are, there, there's uh, rivers and canals and tidal all meet in this area of Dublin. There, there's concerns around flooding. So we have a, a large, not particularly glamorous project, I'll admit, um, between um, ourselves and UCD, which is University College Dublin. And so it's part of a Horizon 2020 project called Operandum, trying to use nature-based solutions to tackle okay. flooding in cities. And um, so we're using um, low-cost low sensors um, Low card, low, low, uh, sorry, low cost and low powered sensors using the LoRa network. So there's rainfall sensors, river level sensors, um, and water velocity and tidal sensors. So we're starting to look at if there's X amount of rain on the Dublin mountains, it's coming down the two main rivers at whatever speed, and the rivers are filling up at whatever pace, and the tide is likely to come in in the next few hours, then it's probably going to flood. Could we start to notify residents and could we start to, um, to tackle that flooding if we know that it's going to happen? That's that's, that's part of a, th a three to four year project with UCD and um, it's just kicked off last year. But that came out of the workshop. We're now using the areas that we, again, the workshops informed that this stuff happens in the Docklands. So there's one area in particular that is liable to flooding that you know, we as the smart city team might not have known about previously. but talking to people who live and work in that area, they were able to tell us those things um, okay. straight away. And, and another, a small one, I suppose, but uh, quite an important one, um, given the, the amount of water and rivers around the Docklands, there's a lot of life rings. Um, life rings are um, stolen or taken all of the time in cities around the world. It's, it's a large challenge. We have about 30 to 35 of them go missing in Dublin every week, um, which is is not great. Um, mm -hmm. So 
we essentially the way it works at the minute and um, there's a team of people that walk around and check them every few days they then determine which ones are missing they write it down go back and report it order the life ring in and then whenever they get a chance to put the life ring back out on the stand so that life ring could be missing for four to six weeks at a time at the minute which isn't really good enough so we will be putting out uh, some kind of competitive call in the next couple of weeks and working with companies um, to deploy sensors on the life rings so that we know exactly when they're taken. Um, and when they're taken, we can replace them much quicker. Um, so it'll reduce, hopefully reduce the numbers that are taken if there's some signage to say that they're being monitored. Um, but also whenever they're taken, we can replace them much quicker. So increasing um, obviously the water safety aspect in, in yeah. Dublin and also yeah. re reducing, because a lot of the, whenever the life rings are taken, they a lot of them end up in landfill if they end up in hotels after parties and all types of things. So um, they yeah. yeah so um they, they end up in landfill. So we're trying to reduce the plastic waste and uh, reduce the carbon emissions, obviously, of the the trucks that need to drive around and check the life rings okay. every day as well. That sounds like a fun challenge as well because you know if you are going to uh, provide the actual sensor and install it and provide the connectivity and the power, then you know it's it's kind of what else could you embed in that sensor that not only looks after the life rings is it is it kind of air quality is it something else? Um, that sounds like a a really fun opportunity if you if you're going to install them then then what else can you can you put in there? What else can you do, um, yeah. uh, I guess from a because it's such a compact kind of mixed use space as well. Um, have you been talking about it being kind of like a walkable neighborhood as well that you know throughout your if you work there and live there that it's in such a central part of the city that most people don't need to own cars. Is it being seen? As a, as a kind of walkable neighborhood, or is there still a high amount of car ownership in the district? Uh, there's it, um, it, It's mixed, but I think what we've acknowledged from a smart city perspective is that you know mobility in cities is changing quite dramatically, and, and in an area like the Docklands, as it gets uh, you know much more you know much more densely populated, um, and you know the buildings are, that are going up now will house you know a couple of thousand staff at a time. There's going to be a lot more of them going into certain areas, so there will be pressure on the roads there. Um, so we, it, it, with an acknowledgement of that, we ran a, a, an event at the end of last year, a Future of Mobility event, where we showcased all types of mobility um, that we expect to see in cities in the next um, couple of years. So everything from uh, bike sharing schemes, so we had a couple of bike sharing schemes there, um, we had a car sharing scheme, um, we had things like electric scooters and uh, gyro wheels and, and that type of thing. And then we also brought Ireland's first driverless shuttle to the Docklands. So we had it here for the weekend. Um, and the, the main idea being, again, working with people that live and work here to show them this is the types of things that you will see in your cities in the next number of years. This is what it's like to get into a driverless shuttle. There's no steering wheel and no driver, and it starts to move and change yeah. direction as it goes yeah. down. So it's just about letting people experience those things so when they do come that it's not necessarily a large shock and also to encourage people to you know whenever they start to experience an electric scooter or a bike sharing scheme or whatever it might be then then they they you know they want it more they request it more and then it's much easier to deploy in the city whenever there's a need for it yeah and i guess you guys are really interesting as well because your demographic the the change in demographic or the new people that come are probably going to be working for some of these tech companies um if you listen to WeWork, they're saying that there's four generations in the workforce today, 
but in six years, the two of those generations are almost going to be gone, and it's going to be mostly kind of younger people. Um, so I guess the the kind of change in how those people spend their workday then is really interesting. Maybe don't want to own a car. Maybe don't want to arrive in the office at 9 a.m. Maybe 12 is a good time to start the day for them. Um, so how that changes the the kind of the flows be it transport, be it people, be it services in the Docklands, is going to be really interesting. And, and I, I guess because the demographic is so, let's say, tech-oriented more than normal and maybe younger than normal, then you guys are going to see that much quicker than, than other people. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's why we have a really, a really solid opportunity here in the Docklands because we have such a captive audience of people who, you know, who know about this technology, who are working on it, who are working on big data projects around mobility and, and air quality with Google and, and with Facebook and whatever else. So these guys are, are already interested in the fact that they can now engage with the City Council through our Smart City program and be part of the trials and tests here. It does make it easier for us. There is the acknowledgement, though, that a lot of the people that live here are not necessarily people who work in work in Google and Accenture and whatever else. There, there, there is plenty of other people in the Docklands, but I think because we have such a range of people, it, yeah. it gives us real insight into in, into what how things will be, um, you know, what the reaction to new technology will be. Because you know, sometimes we think it'll be some kind of one reaction, and we expect maybe a more favorable reaction from tech oriented companies and people, but maybe that doesn't happen um, and we get a better reaction from other types of residents. So it's, it's been good to have such a, a wide range of residents to work with and to, to buy, you know, to throw our ideas out there too and get some feedback as, as we go through the process. Yeah. And, and you actually mentioned there the kind of, you know, having those companies to support some of the data analytics projects. Um, so maybe that's one of the last few questions I'll ask then. So with regards to kind of Dublin City um, Council and with regards to your role in kind of Smart Docklands and you having the opportunity of these Googles and Facebooks and, and those companies on your doorstep, what plans do you guys have for having some kind of data sharing platform or some kind of interaction point for for the kind of the flows and requirements and kind of needs of, of the users in the, in the city? Where have you guys started or, or where are you guys on that discussion? Yeah, so we're, I mean, we're, we're deep in discussion, I think it's fair to say. Um, we, about three or four years ago, we started a platform called Dublinked, which is our open data platform in, in Dublin. Um, and it's gone through a number of different iterations and, and now, um, almost finished its most recent one. We have, you know, a couple of hundred data sets up there. Um, with the acknowledgement, most of those data sets are, our data sets from the local authorities um, and I suppose the acknowledgement is that you know we can do some good stuff with this data um, but there are loads of um, you know creators inventors entrepreneurs researchers out there that if they, if they have access to this, this this data they can do all kinds of wonderful things with it as well so we want to make as much data open as possible through that platform um, but the conversation has also developed and we're you know we're looking at the amount of data that's being generated by by local government, by the, by the the local authorities, by national government, and how can we share that data between different entities um, in a way that you know is entirely GDPR compliant, and how can we do it in a way that it's anonymized and that it benefits? So if we're then working with the tourism board, how can we work with them to understand the movements and flows of tourists around the city? Um, and, and and how could we work with the transport department to understand how many cyclists there are in the road? We're we're generating a lot of that data now, um, and I think we're 
we're getting to the point where the ad government government da da data sharing piece is is a is I suppose one of the hot topics um and we're we're trying to work out the best mechanism to do it um i think you know at the minute we've taken each each project or each case on its merits um its own merits and done it on a case by case basis but as we scale that up could we start to have uh you know a whole city platform um yeah. that has data sets coming in from you know that coming in from the traffic lights coming in from the the street lights that may have connectivity that can tell you how many cyclists were cycling past and you know you can tell you when the bins are full and, and that type of thing and that getting that into that whole connected city type thing and we've seen some some cities have done it relatively well um you know they've bought they've kind of bought large iot platforms from from big providers um there's there's limitations there in terms of you know what type of tech you can plug into that and I think what we're seeing everybody's producing a dashboard and a platform for their for their own solution yeah, um, yeah. What, what, what we're trying to drive towards is that there's some kind of data feed or api from any of those things that if we wanted to at some stage get an iot platform in dublin that all of the different projects we have could be plugged into one um, one platform so that we could have a holistic picture of the city yeah, so there's some kind of essentially it becomes open source in the end because it's interoperable yeah. And, and yeah, okay, that seems to be the the the, the general discussion. Um, yeah. Have you spoken to Google about Sidewalk Labs in Toronto at all? That that, that seems to be something there's slowly information coming out in. Um, maybe Side Sidewalk Labs too can be the Docklands. I don't know. It, it would be it would be nice to hear from them about that. Yeah, I, I mean we 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 have a bit. Um, we, we've spoken to them briefly on the sidewalk guys so we, we have a we, we in dublin we have kind of close working relationships with a lot of cities around the world we're, we're part of two uh, programs and um, so one of them is a program with uh, cities today the smart city magazine so they host a, a, a forum called cities 2020 where, where cios and ctos of cities around the world uh, go to a two-day event and discuss the kind of challenges that they're facing and share learning among cities and also a, a program with uh Harvard Tech, um, which is the Technology and Entrepreneurship Center at Harvard. They host a similar type thing for cities, CTOs and CIOs. And through that, we've, we've close, relatively close working relationships with the guys in Toronto. Um, and, and I've got some feedback about the Sidewalk Labs project. Um, it's not something necessarily that we would, um, th that we have considered taking in under the, under the Dockham's wing. Um, I think at the minute, um, what we're trying to create, I suppose, is a is a model here that could be scaled out to other cities. Um, yeah. But we are trying we, we are trying to do it um, with the you know with the we're trying to do it in a way that it that it benefits the people that live and work here as well. So it's trying to get that you know that balance between a model that's scalable and, and transferable to any city, yeah. but also you know working on. Uh, working on something that is, is truly beneficial here and that it's not too generalized and it's not you know a, a you know a standard template model that has been stamped from another city and isn't appropriate here so we're trying to get that balance right in in the docklands um and i think we're i think we're getting there um we we were shortlisted at the world smart city awards in barcelona last year for the for the model that we're creating here and what we're, we're now sharing it with other cities in Ireland and across the world um, to see if they can take this kind of model where the triple helix, I suppose, of the city, um, academia and research and industry working together in a, in a truly collaborative approach with the kind of the, the challenge based um, 
the challenge-based citizen-centric approach kind of coming in behind that. Um, so trying to get that triple helix working through real city challenges and then seeing what that produces is, I think, a relatively unique to get all of that all of that working together. Um, so we're, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really clear. And I suppose the, the comment about, about Sidewalk Labs as well is uh, you don't have a massive greenfield site in Dublin um, no. and you you don't want one anyway because, because you know, the, the future of our built environment is already constructed and, and, it, and it's, it's about how we use it um, and, yeah. and how we can open it up for, to, for its best use. Okay, that's, that's super helpful. And so, so thanks. Thanks a lot, Michael. And um, no problem at all. Uh, I'll make sure your some information about the Docklands and the website, and maybe your Twitter is included in the show notes. Um, and I'll yep. send out some information as well about about CSense and, and and some of those other things. Maybe double linked as well. Double linked as well, yeah. And there's a, a few other. So the the other kind of main thing that we have is our SBIR program, which is Small Business Innovation Research. We work with about forty two startups across eleven challenges. Um, things like wayfinding, flooding, illegal dumping. Um, we've funded them to about 1.5 million. So it's a good program there. So most of the information can be found on smartdocklands.ie or smartdublin.ie. Okay, sounds great. Thank, thank you, Michael. Great. Again. All right. Thanks okay. very much, Ken. Thank you for listening to the Citizen Centric Podcast, transforming our cities with technology and sharing.